Microsoft Story Classic, bringing to you recordings of old storybooks. Mildred Keith, Episode 13 You hain't returned more than our fust call, and then you didn't stay but ten minutes, Rhoda Jane said in a half-offended tone to Mildred, and we're such near neighbors, too. We'd ought to be real sociable. Mildred apologized by stating the fact that her time was very fully occupied. Well, you and Claudine Chetwood seems to be pretty thick, but the Chetwoods is richer than we are, and I suppose that makes it easier to find time to visit with them. The riches don't make any difference, said Mildred, flushing, and I've heard that the Chetwoods are not very rich. Well, they hold their heads high anyway. I'm going to have a rag carpet party pretty soon and give you an invite, and if you don't come, I'll be so mad I won't never come near you again. Perhaps I may be sick, sighed Mildred, half hoping in her secret heart that so it might fall out. Oh, oh then, of course I couldn't be mad, but I'll try to fix it when you're well. When is it to be, and what is it like? Soon's mother and me gets the rags all cut, about a week from now, I reckon, why I pass so old girls, gets together and sews the rags and winds them up into balls, and after a while the boys come in, and then we have lots of fun and good things to eat. Now I must run home. Goodbye. Mind you're to be sure to come. This was Friday. On the ensuing Monday morning, little Ada set out sorrowfully for Miss Drybread's school, in company with Emeretta and Minerva Lightcap. Mildred was alone in the parlor when the child came back at noon. Well, how did you like it? she asked with a sympathetic smile. Not at all. Oh, Mildred, she isn't a lady or a Christian, for she deceives, she acts lies. She made a naughty girl believe she was going to roast her to death. There's a stove and a big oven in it, and she said she was going to put her in there and build up a hot fire and cook her. Did the girl believe it? Yes, she was dreadfully frightened. She screamed like everything and promised that indeed and indeed she'd be good, and Miss Dryberred let her go to her seat. That was acting a lie and telling one, too, and anybody who would do so is unfit to have the care of children, said Mildred. I shall tell father and mother about it, and I'm very sure they won't send you any longer than this one quarter anyhow. Well, learn your lessons well, and behave nicely, so that she can't find any excuse for ill-treating you. Mildred looked upon the expected carpet rag party with nearly as great aversion as Ada felt for her new school, but was a good deal relieved on learning from Claudine Chetwood that she, too, had been notified of its approach and expected to attend. I didn't know that you visited the Lightcaps, said Mildred. Oh, yes, they are not cultivated people or very refined, but they are clever folks and kind neighbors, especially in times of sickness, and would feel dreadfully hurt if one should decline their invitations and must be willing to mix to some extent with all who can lay claim to respectability and moral worth. 
I'm afraid I'm very proud, said Mildred, laughing and blushing. I've never been used to associating with anyone so rough and uncouth, and it goes a good deal against the grain. Perhaps it isn't exactly pride, suggested Claudine. They offend your taste. They do mine, I know. But surely we can bear that rather than give them the pain of thinking that we despise them. Yes, indeed, assented Mildred heartily, and from that moment ceased to allow herself to hope that something would occur, to give her a plausible excuse for staying away from Rhoda Jane's merry-making. She repeated Claudine's remarks to her mother and aunt, and found that they fully approved of the sentiments she had expressed. The invitation came for Friday afternoon and evening, Rhoda Jane hailing Rupert as he passed and sending it through him. Mildred was nearly in her usual he health, and accepted without a demur, but puzzled to know what to wear, and at what hour to go, went to Claudina for instruction on these important points. We are invited to work, you know, said Miss Chetwood, laughing, so we'll be expected early. We should not be later than one o'clock, I think, and as it is not very nice work, carpet rags being apt to be dusty, we should not wear anything that will not wash. I shall put on a calico dress and carry a big work apron with me. Then I shall do the same. I wish you would, for there will be some girls there who haven't the means to dress, and would feel badly if you or I outshone them very much. I can't go before three or half past, though, on account of having to recite to Mr. Lord. Never mind, I dare say it's just as well, for you'll get quite enough of both the work and the company. Following out the instructions received, Mildred attired herself for the occasion with the utmost simplicity, but could not lay aside her delicate prettiness, or a certain air of culture and refinement that made her more the real lady in her calico, than almost any of her companions of the afternoon would have been in the richest silk or velvet. Just as she was ready to go, Ada came in from school, crying heartily. "'What's the matter?' asked Mildred, meeting her on the threshold, and turning back full of sympathy. "'I... I've lost my place in the spelling class,' sobbed the child, and I didn't miss a word either. "'You know I got up head the first day, and I've kept there ever since, way above all those big, big girls, some, some of them as big as you, Millie. "'But how did you get down if you didn't miss? Was it for bad behavior?' No, but she upset the class and made us all draw lots for our places, and the one I drew made me eat my place next to the foot. Mother, do you hear that? asked Mildred hotly, for anything like abuse or unjust treatment for her of her little brothers or sisters was sure to rouse her ire. Yes, Mrs. Keith said, but Ada, you like the fun of getting up in your class, and you could never have that if you were always at the head. This seemed a new idea to the child, and she smiled faintly through her tears. But the wound was so deep it must bleed a while, and the briny drops fell fast again. She was an uncommonly good speller for a child of her age, and had taken great pride in keeping her place, working very hard to be able to do so, and this sudden, unexpected downfall, due to no failure on her part, almost overwhelmed her with a sense of loss humiliation, injustice. Mildred waited. She couldn't bear to go and leave Ada in such distress. Don't cry, she said, stroking her hair caressingly, while the mother wiped away the fast-flowing tears with her own soft white handkerchief and kissed the flushed cheek. Don't cry. You'll soon get up again. 
and I shall write a note to Miss Drybread, telling her that I cannot approve of drawing lots to decide so trivial a matter, said Mrs. Keith. It might be well enough to turn the class around occasionally, or in some other way, to give the poor scholars a chance to rise. But this proceeding I so highly disapprove of, that I shall not allow you to take part in it again. I wish you'd take me away out of her school, mother. Oh, do, pleaded the little girl. You shall not be kept there long, Mrs. Keith said. But Mildred, child, she added gravely, she added cheerily, you must hurry away or I fear you'll not earn your supper. A dozen maidens, mostly under twenty years of age, were collected in the front room at Mr. Lightcap's. A large clothes basket filled with many colored rags torn or cut into strips of various slants occupied a conspicuous place upon the floor. A number of girls were grouped about it and armed with needles and threads, scissors and thimbles, were busily engaged picking out the strips, sewing the ends together and winding the long strings thus formed into balls. Others had filled their laps and seated themselves here and there about the room. They seemed a very merry company, laughing and chatting as they worked. "'Oh, how do you do?' said Rhoda Jane, catching sight of Mildred as she drew near the door, which was standing open. "'Thought you wasn't coming at all. Walk right in. Let me take your sunbonnet. Here's a seat for you, alongside of Miss Chetwood. Guess you're better acquainted with her than anybody else, without its viny apple. "'Ladies, this is Miss Keith. I don't need no introduction,' laughed Miss Apple. Opie, you're well, Miss Millie. The others looked up with a nod and a murmured word or two as Rhoda Jane named each in turn. Then they seemed to take up the thread of their discourse where it had been dropped. While Mildred tied on her apron, took the chair assigned her, threaded a needle, and helped herself by invitation from Claudina's lap, began her first ball, at the same time explaining that her lessons had detained her. "'You must going, be going to be dreadful, learned,' commented Rhoda Jane, filling Mildred's lap from the basket. "'I wouldn't be you for something. I hate books and always did.' "'Are we all here now?' asked someone. "'All but Demarius Drybread. She's oldish for the rest of us, but she's the schoolman, you know, and likes to be invited. "'And though she's late coming yonder, she is now. She works dreadful fast when she go, does get at it.' Mildred overheard a whisper not complimentary to the coming woman. Pshaw! I wish she hadn't been asked. She spoils everything, for she's as solemn as a furnial and appears to think it's a sin to laugh. Yes, assented another voice, that's so. She never forgets that she's a schoolma'am, but takes it upon herself to tell you your duty without it waiting to be invited to. But now Miss Drybread was upon the threshold. "'Good evening,' she said in solemn tone, and with a stiff little bow, dressing her salutation to the company in general, then giving her sunbonnet to Rhoda Jane, she seated herself in her usual bolt-upright manner and fell to work. Her presence acted as a damper upon the spirits of the younger portion of the party. A dead silence succeeded the merry chatter and laughter of a moment before. Mildred had cared little for that while it went on, but it vexed her now that this woman, for whom principally, on Ada's account, she began to feel a decided dislike, should have it in her power thus to spoil the enjoyment of others, and she determined that it should not be. 
Raising her voice that all might hear, she told an amusing incident that set everybody to laughing except the schoolman, whose increasing solemnity of aspect seemed to reprove their levity. Oh, that was first rate. Do tell us another, cried Rhoda Jane, holding her sides. I had no idea you could be so funny. Mildred went on with antidotes, just as conundrums. Padina and one or two others contributed their quota also, till with the ruder ones the mirth became somewhat boisterous. As it died down again, Miss Drybread spoke. Life, permit me to observe to you all, is too serious and solemn to be spent in laughing and joking. Allow me to say, Miss Keith, that I am astonished that you, a church member, should indulge in such frivolity. Do you think a Christian should always wear a long face, ma'am? asked Mildred saucily, her telltale countenance showing all too plainly the contempt and aversion she felt for her self-constituted censor. Yes, I think that folks that profess that they've got religion ought to be grave and sober. Let the world see that they don't belong to it. As if there was any harm in innocent mirth, exclaimed Mildred, as if there was anybody in the world with so good a right to be glad and happy as one who knows that Jesus loves him. Rejoice in the Lord, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. The Bible is full of commands to God's people to rejoice, to be glad, to sing for joy, and the best Christians I know seem to me the happiest people on earth. You're rather young to set up your judgment as to who's the best Christian, who's got religion, and who hasn't returned to the spinster bridling. Well, none o' your long-faced, sour-looking Christians for me, exclaimed Rhoda Jane. I'd never want to get religion till the last minute if I wasn't to be allowed to laugh and joke no more. I cannot read the heart, nor can any other human creature, said Mildred, replying to Miss Drybread's last remarks. But Jesus says, By their fruits ye shall know them. He that keepeth my commandments, he it is that loveth me. And when you live with people, and see them constantly serving God with gladness, walking in his ways, rejoicing in his love, making the Bible always the rule of faith and practice, showing far more solicitude about heavenly than about earthly things, both for themselves and their children, I think you may be very sure they are real Christians. I think so, too, said Claudina emphatically. So do I, and I, chimed in several other voices. But do you know any such folks? I have been describing my father and mother, Mildred said, and my dear Aunt Wealthy, too. That's a fact, spoke up Viney. You have to live with folks to find them out, and I've lived there, and i never seen better Christians. They don't keep their religion for Sundays, but Mr. Keith, he reads in the good book every night and morning and prays just like a minister, only not so long, and they sing hymns, and I never heard a crossword pass between Mr. and Mrs. Keith or Mrs. Stanhope either, and they never threaten the children. They'll do something awful like breaking their bones or skinning of them alive, as some folks does, but just speaks to them quiet like saying exactly what they mean, and they're always minded too. Thank you for listening to another episode of Agersoft Story Classics.